As the championship lead continues to yo-yo between our two protagonists, F1 is heading to Austin, Texas next weekend to race around the circuit of the Americas. Welcome to the F1 Grid Top Podcast. Today we'll be previewing the 2021 United States Grand Prix. My name is Ruby Price and joining me we have Tom Horrocks from the Monkey Seat Podcast. Hiya. Hi, Tom Downey from Everything F1 Podcast. Hello. And Aaron Harper from the Five Red Lights Podcast. Hello. Hello. Firstly, if you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you could take five to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll shout out all of you who do to say thanks. And on that note, every month we're giving away even more Grid Talk merchandise. Uh, for the competition one to be in the running to win a Grid Talk champion t-shirt, all you need to do is give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or leave a comment on the YouTube replay with your favorite moment from a race. Uh, and to be in the running to win a Grid Talk mug, all you need to do is hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Winners of both competitions for the month of October will be announced during the Mexico Grand Preview. So, Tom Horrocks, the big news this week was the reveal of the calendar for the 2022 season. 23 races, several subject contracts like Imola and Spain, and the new race in Miami. What are your thoughts on the calendar and do you think we'll be in for an exciting season? I think every season of Formula One is exciting, but that's because I'm a geek. Uh, but no, it's uh, it's it's looking good. Uh, I mean, 23 races, not too many triple headers. Um, it's uh, it seems to be quite front loaded, uh, and then and then kind of uh, it's quite got crammed in towards the end. So that's that's uh, um, it's yeah, slightly different way of going about it. And I'm glad we're not running so close to Christmas as we have done in the past. So uh, initial initial thoughts. I mean, yeah, there's, there's some good races, some bad races. Glad to see we've got um, uh, we've got Imola coming back again. That's 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 quite a good quite a good addition. Um, so yeah, overall overall good. Uh, it, it, it probably a little bit on the big side, but I can I can cope with that because uh, it, at least we've not got like five triple headers or anything like that. So uh, initial thoughts, good. I'm happy with it. Yeah, good. And Aaron, for the first time in almost a decade, the calendar doesn't have Australia set to open the season. Obviously, last year in the current season, we were meant to start in Australia, but due to COVID concerns, that didn't happen. Um, do you think the slightly later slot in the calendar of the 8th to 10th of April is going to mean that they're ready to host the race this time around? I hope so, because how many times, like, if you go back to 2017, we had the change of regulations and we turned up in Australia and you could hardly overtake with the new big wings and the stickier tires. So I think that's going to be the first proper test for the new regs compared to what we've got currently, because it's, it's such a fast track. And also we, we really want to see these changes that they've made to aid the overtaking. So the, the longer run down to the, the far chicane uh, on the other side of the pond and the run out of the chicane down to, I think it's, it's a turn 13, the right-hander at the end of the straight. Uh, well, I think they put some banking as well, which would be quite interesting to see the different lines. So we might have some uh, Zandvoort-style racing where they're high and low um, through there, which could then open up opportunities into the final sector. But as a general test of the new regs, I think we really need the Australian Grand Prix to go ahead because otherwise we're waiting until Spain or maybe even Imola to get a real read on what's happening with the new regs. Yeah, absolutely. And finally, Tom Downey, next year we're going to have two countries that host two separate races in them with Imola and Monza and Miami and Cota. It will be a good season to be an Italian or an American F1 fan, won't it? Oh, definitely. And even better if you're an Italian-American. Um, yeah, it's, it's the first time since, oh God, I think we're going back to possibly like the sort of early to mid-noughties that multiple countries have hosted two Grand Prix. That would be a good quiz question, actually. Um, yeah, it's, um, it, I'm, I'm excited to see Imola back. I was a bit sceptical because obviously we had it in 2020 because of the, you know, the, when the pandemic sort of really kicked off and everything. Um, I was I thought it was perhaps going to be a bit of a dud this year, but it was actually good this year as well. And like Aaron mentioned, with the cars perhaps getting not necessarily smaller, but getting perhaps easier to pass and not taking quite so much physical presence on the track, we could see some really good racing at Imola. Um, also, Miami. Yeah, it'd be nice to see a new street circuit. I wonder if it might... I wonder if it's going to try and be like the American Monaco. I just hope it doesn't go the way of the Valencia street circuit, where it just sort of fades into oblivion after a while. Um, but it, it'd, be, it'd be good to see F1 get more exposure in, in America. 
as much as I like Coach it, it's one of my favourite circuits, actually. Um, Miami, I'm a bit sceptical, but that's just me being me. Yeah, I mean, I remember um, one of the Grid Talk panellists, Louis Edwards, his initial reaction to the Miami circuit track design was one of wanting to vomit. So, you know, we'll see how it actually is when we see the real um, circuit itself next year, early in the calendar. Um, but, you know, we'll see next season and if it is actually vomit-inducing. So on to this race weekend, Tom, um, we're obviously heading to Cota. It's historically been something of a Mercedes track, uh, at least in the turbo hybrid era, with the exception of a Kimi Raikkonen win, I think it was, in 2018, is also last race win. Um, you know, we've had two Mercedes wins, I think it was, well, Mercedes-powered wins in the last couple of races. No, yeah. Two, two Mercedes race wins in the last two races. Um, so, you know, they're going to be on the on the uh, front foot trying to, you know, capitalise on that momentum this weekend. Uh, yeah, and also the other um, the other race as well uh, before that was a McLaren Mercedes win. So it's been three Mercedes power wins in a row. I just had to mention that, you know, McLaren Mercedes winning a race uh, had to be done. Um, yeah, it's a, it is it has always come across as a bit of a uh, bit of a Mercedes stronghold. But given the strength of the Honda engine this year, uh, it's that's a bit up in the air. However, I do think that Mercedes have made some gains in that department. I think they've they were a bit taken aback by what Red Bull could do with their power unit at the start of the season where they they made some uh, they, they made some definite power gains but on the back of reliability claims so i think that mercedes have kind of clocked onto that and then they've put that through the pipeline themselves and now they've managed to make some similar gains so red bull uh, complaining about it is basically just what they did at the start of the season so um that's and i based that on absolutely nothing that's just uh, that's just opinion but i do think that that mercedes have definitely made a gain and they've now uh, they're now potentially the best power unit again uh, slightly ahead of Honda I think Red Bull have probably got the best overall package the peaks of the Red Bull car are higher than the Mercedes but I think the Mercedes car is just a little bit more drivable a little bit more consistent so uh, it's 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 on a knife edge for the entire for the rest of this season we're not going to go a race now without talking about the championship and and the repercussions it has and so it's it's just it's just teeing everything up nicely and and it's great to see that we're you know we're at the circuit of the Americas and we're not talking about can Hamilton wrap up the championship in America again we're actually talking about will it go to the end of the season so that's that's great also so uh yeah it's only three nationalities of one at Cota as well so uh that's that's interesting as well um so uh let's let's see if we can get a fourth this year make it maybe a dutch one make it more interesting yeah opinions on the f1 chronicle grid top podcast who would have ever thought of that aaron sticking with mercedes and Cota. Valtteri Bottas finally got his first win of the season uh, last time out in Turkey. You know, after what has arguably been a very disappointing season for him, he's finally up in third in the championship, which, you know, Mercedes was obviously want him to be P2 in the championship, but at least he's now where he should be as an absolute minimum. Yeah, and I think he can take some confidence from that win because I draw some similarities from the Istanbul circuit to the Kota circuit. Um, they're not obviously completely alike, but a lot of the characteristics of the corners are fairly similar. And he also, he's got form in Kota because he was the last man to win there. Um, an impressive drive as well. So if he can dig out some of that and take inspiration from his win in Turkey, he could be on for a very good uh, weekend. And Mercedes need him to have a good weekend because Perez will be needing to follow up his result as well. So the race might simply come down to who's number two does the better job. And given recent form in both Texas and in Istanbul, you'd have to put your money on Bottas. Um, he's been freed up by that move to Alpha. He's got the most points of anyone since the announcement of that move. So he's driving like a man liberated of the pressure of dealing with uh, the expectation of championship winning. So, that might favour Mercedes because they've got a man who's now just driving completely for himself and completely flat out with almost no regard for the title picture. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that showed as well in Russia when he just didn't really put up any fight against uh, Max Verstappen. He was just like, I'm racing my own race here. You know, 
I'm not racing for Mercedes, but Tom, um, we've just obviously mentioned that it's going to be a battle of the number twos for each team as well. Red Bull obviously had both their drivers on the podium last time out for the first time in quite a while, if memory serves me correct. Um, Sergio Perez with a bit of a fresh spring in his steps from another podium this season. Max Verstappen P2 and back in the championship lead in terms of the uh, drivers' championship. Obviously, you know we've just mentioned that this has been something of a Mercedes circuit in the turbo hybrid era, but you know with this season we've seen that that sort of form book can just go out of the window. Do you think this is going to be another one of those cases, or is it going to be, you know, um, everything as normal? Um. So there's quite a bit to unpick there. Um, yeah, um, well, first of all, it was really nice to see Perez back on the podium last weekend. Um, it was the first time he's been on the podium, I think, since one of the Austria races. I can't remember if it was the first or the second one. Someone will probably correct me if I'm wrong on that. But I, that does seem to does seem to ring a bell. Um, yeah, like you said, he definitely had a spring in his step. Um he was pulling off moves left, right, and centre, and more to the point, he was holding back Hamilton. We all saw that fantastic defence um, around that one lap, and then going down the main straight. I was, you know, I was sort of like watching through the gaps in my fingers at that point because I thought they were going to have a coming together. Um, yeah, um, in t- in terms of how the sort of number two driver role is going to play. I don't think there's going to be as much to play for in terms of the constructors. I think Mercedes have got enough of a stronghold on the constructors that they're going to um that they they're going to uh they're going to wrap up the constructors this year you know they're about 35 40 points ahead i think at the moment um maybe a little bit less but the, the point is i'm sure they've got at least like a race victories difference in points um Bottas has scored the most points, I think, out of the top six drivers in the championship since he got his alpha contract or something like that. He's scored, I think, 59 points since since he got that alpha contract. So that that tells you all you need to know about him. Um, and sort of like where his mind is at. He he does seem he does seem at peace at the moment, if that makes sense. That's not like he's gonna die. He's not. Um, you know, he, no, he, uh, I should say he's you know, he's comfortable that he's going to a multi-year deal. Um the number two role of Perez and Bottas is going to be vital in the remaining rounds of this season. Looking at some of the circuits we've got left, if you look at the likes of the, the La Salle track in Qatar, um, this street circuit we've got coming up in um, in Jeddah, I don't see much overtaking going on. And track position is going to be pretty important on those circuits. And if Verstappen is P1, he is going to need Perez as close as possible behind him holding up the likes of Hamilton or Bottas or maybe even Norris, anyone who's going to like, put the championship at risk. And I do think we're possibly going to see some team orders come in for the rest of the season to protect both the drivers and the constructors' championships. Team orders as well in, you know, Formula One. Also never heard of it before. Nah, never no. heard of it. <laughs> Um, it is a 36-point champ- championship lead in the Constructors, if my uh, mental maths is correct, of 433.5 to 397.5. Um, and as Aaron pointed out in our chat, uh, Perez's last podium was Paul Ricard, which seems like a while ago. Um, I can't remember if it actually was or not, but that's just the year that we've been having. So, Tom, on to you know, your favourite team, McLaren. Uh Still P three in the cha- stamp in the championship standings, but that gap to Ferrari has certainly reduced after the last couple of races. With you know, Danny Ricciardo not scoring in um, the last two, I think it was, and Lando um, having two P sevens in a row. Yeah, we, we we don't mention what didn't or nearly happened at Russia. I'm still not over that. Uh, yeah, it's I'm I'm nervous. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's it's Ferrari's new power unit. They've they've put in. They've taken the penalties and they've not had a you know similar to Red Bull. They've not had a huge disadvantage from it. Um, uh, McLaren have been consistent all year. I think Ferrari have have generally had the edge, but McLaren just made better of what they have available. And now Ferrari have got a. Um, a much stronger package overall. Um, it's, I, I think the, the the track 
um, that they've just been at was uh, was probably didn't quite suit them um, in Istanbul the way that it has in other tracks. I think the long sweeping corners are, uh, don't quite lend themselves to the McLaren philosophy as much. Um, but we, we I'm, I don't know the, the circuit guitar that well, but I imagine given it's a bike circuit, it's probably going to be similar to that kind of that kind of layout as well. Um, so I, I, I worry for them there. Um, where Mercedes are strong, McLaren should be strong as well. So I, I'm, I'm hoping that they'll they'll hold ferrari off but uh, in in my thoughts now ferrari for me looked the favorite for that third place in the championship and it's just a case of can mclaren hold on and uh, the the final deciding factor on that is going to have to be daniel ricardo he has to perform um it looked like he'd done a lot better since the uh, since the summer break and he kind of went backwards again um so he he needs to perform and he's going to be the linchpin of that championship fight because the the two ferrari drivers you can't separate them but at the moment you can definitely separate the two mclaren drivers so uh, that's that's really important that he can um he can perform here at kota it's one of his favorite tracks i'd like to think that he can get on top of the mclaren here uh but yeah they, it's certainly uh squeaky bum time for the mclaren that being said uh third and fourth in the championship i don't think it's going to make a vast difference for mclaren for what their plan is moving forwards and their plan for next year uh, the fact that they're third they get pretty much guaranteed fourth in the championship is is still okay it's a step back from last year but it's uh it's, it's not a disaster by any stretch yeah, absolutely. Aaron, sticking with McLaren, Tom touched on it lightly, but what do you reckon their chances are around here this weekend? I think they're going to be stronger than they were in Istanbul. They, like Tom said, they struggle with the uh, long sweeping corners and sector one is pretty exclusively long sweeping corners in Kota. So they're going to struggle there, but they've got good straight line speed and I think the final sector might suit them a little bit better because obviously they were strong in uh, Monza. And that's tight chicanes and uh, traction zones. So they, they might do well in that section. Um, they tend to be behind Ferrari in qualifying. So it's going to be, a, I think, a case of whether they can make the progress through the field um, as the race develops or if they get stuck in the lower top 10 because Gasly tends to perform well in qualifying. And if Ferrari get their act together and get both cars ahead of the McLarens and they pull another strategic, strategical qualifying masterclass like they did in Turkey, McLaren could be in a really sticky position. But with the long back straight and the McLaren's overall top speed and uh, efficiency down the straight, they might fancy themselves if they get anywhere near anything else, um, even if it's a new Ferrari power unit. So it's still all to play play for. Um, it's it's going to be interesting how they attack the weekend because if they they feel like they're they're lagging behind, they might have to pull something clever on strategy and maybe... Or, I'm not sure you deliberately qualify outside the top 10, but hope that they did and then play the strategy on the race day that way because they tend to go better on Sundays and Saturdays. Yeah, I think it's been a while since we saw someone deliberately not qualify in the top 10, you know, with giving that free tyre choice that they get in Q3. Not free tyre choice, just an extra tyre. I mean, um, can you tell that someone is ill and tired? But yeah. Tom, uh, the Ferraris, um, you know, uh, both had a good weekend last weekend. Carlos Sainz coming through the field to finish P8. Uh, Charles Leclerc putting a very strong race in and finishing P4. Sadly, he wasn't able to do Ferrari's strategy of stay ahead of P2 and you will finish P1. But, you know, that's a Ferrari strategy for you. But anyway, what do you reckon their chances are this weekend? Obviously, their last victory here was 2018 with Kimi Raikkonen, but... I'd say they've got a much stronger driver pairing this time around, but not the same strength of car. Yeah, um, Ferrari have arguably one of the best, if not the best, driver lineups on the grid. I'd say if you, you know, there's half a point between them, uh, in between the drivers that is in in the championship, and they've both had. But uh, I know Sainz has had multiple podiums. Has Leclerc had multiple podiums, or has he just had the one? I'm not sure. Just the one for Charles. Yeah. It is just the one, yeah. Um, but uh, but in in terms of how they're going to go this weekend, if if it is going to be like a Mercedes PU dominated track, or, or you know that's what sort of history tells us. Obviously, the Honda units in the past haven't been you know what you know, the the force we reckon with that they are this year. Um, but I don't think we'll see. I, we might see one of them sticking to the top ten. As to which one was sneaking to the top ten, you just have to roll a dice on that one because 
you know, there's not really much between them. Um, but I don't think they're going to go as well this weekend. But I said that last, you know, I said that for Turkey and look how well that went. Um, yeah, I, I they, they they might sort of like be on on the cusp of the points if if they get perhaps a bit of luck with a safety car if there's an incident or if one of them you know gets an absolute demon start or something and absolutely Kobe's it at the inside, then um, you know they they, they might have you know, they, they they might sort of like almost luck into a position, but. With regards to it being on merit, I'm not as confident. Yeah. Tom, the Alpines had a very disappointing race weekend last time out with Alonso in P16 and Ocon P10. It's at least one point, but it is one point, and they are a team who seem to be you know, all over the place when it comes to wherever they're going to finish. So the form book's sort of out of the question, but... You know, where do you see them being this weekend, if it's even possible to predict? It's the the most unpredictable team on the grid, without a shadow of a doubt. Is you, you don't know if they're going to be fighting for a podium or or you know being knocked out in Q one. Uh, I think their their championship position is slightly inflated. Uh, they, they're not as fast as AlphaTauri. They are faster than Aston Martin. But again, similar to the Red Bull, they're a little bit peaky. Uh, I, I think they're, they're obviously their their position is inflated by the fact that they have got that win for for Esteban Ocon, um, and uh, yeah, Alonso is still ahead of him in the championship. Um, so uh, yeah, that tells you a story as well. Um, but yeah, it's 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 very very difficult to tell. I think based on what we've seen before from them, I I, don't, I think they'll be in the mix. Uh, they'll probably be in the mix with the Alpha Tories, um, but yeah, obviously nowhere near the Ferraris and McLarens. Um, I, I haven't seen a weather report for the weekend. They do tend to look like they go better in in bad conditions until Fernando Alonso tries to do something around the outside in turn one. But uh, it's yeah, it, it's. I think the the drivers seem to be. I mean, not so much Ocon, but Alonso seems to be coming on now. He's he's definitely back to his best, um, and and trying to trying to push forward, trying to get that that first podium in in what five years or whatever it is now um so I, I, he's obviously going to be want to be trying to do that but uh, i don't think this is going to be the track for them i think they'll be close but uh, i think it's going to take some more strange conditions for them to be fighting for a podium uh i think the, the fight for them now is to try and maintain that that fifth place in the championship which uh they they could do 12 points is, is not a massive points all to uh for alfa to uh to, to fight back but uh um it's I think they've they've got a chance of holding on against against AlphaTauri, but uh, I think the the overall package for AlphaTauri is better. But you you just look at their second driver and you think, well, that you know maybe that's uh, that's not gonna <laughs> that's not gonna work. But uh, yeah, so overall, Alpine looking uh, again just un- unbelievably unpredictable, really. So uh, very difficult to say for certain where they're going to be. Yeah, absolutely. Very unpredictable. And, you know, it will help if their driver doesn't keep getting five second time penalties for spinning around the cars that are normally spinning anyway. Just leave them alone, Fernando. They'll do it themselves. Aaron, uh, the Alpha Tauris, as Tom has mentioned, seem to be faster than the car that is ahead of them in the championship. But, you know, with Pierre Gasly, Mr. Consistent, either in sixth or 13th, um, you know, it could be anything, but Sonoda is just not consistent in the sense that he's just not performing that well, it seems. But what do you reckon this weekend? Are they going to, you know, make some grounds on uh, P5 or stay where they are? Well, I think they can make some ground. It's 12 points, the gap. So that is a fourth place, I believe. So... If, if things go a bit crazy and the two Alpines get collected in an accident, then uh, it's all to play for for AlphaTauri. They could still take back that fifth place. Um, Gasly has been fast pretty much everywhere this, this year. So it wouldn't be a surprise to me to see him in the top six in qualifying and then definitely in the points um, come race day. He's kind of my one to watch for qualifying because, like you say, he's either top six or he's middle of the midfield as for Sonoda he is consistently inconsistent um, but he's brought out like four or five red flags this this season he'll do well to bring one out this weekend because there's a lot of space around the track um, but I don't see him scoring points and which is a shame because he he drove well for the most part in Turkey and he could do with a good solid point scoring finish 
but then he could also do with just keeping it pointing the right way for the entire weekend and putting a lot, a lot of solid laps in. Hard to say how they'll fare because Gasly does have a tendency sometimes to get involved in um, not necessarily wheel banging, but as we saw in uh, the sprint race in Monza and in Bahrain, he knocked off his front wing when he really, really shouldn't have. So it's a pinch point at turn one. If he's anywhere around the top six or in the midfield, he, he might need to just tread carefully there to keep his uh, longer term prospects for the race alive. But then I, I still think he could come back through and pick up some points even from there. So it'd be interesting to watch their progress. Yeah, absolutely. Tom, um, sticking on uh, Pierre Gasly and pinch points at turn one, obviously last uh, race weekend, he did get that five second penalty for, I think mm. it was um, forcing Alonso off the track or at least colliding with him. It wasn't yeah. forcing him off the track. Um, you know, where do you think, did you agree with the stewards decision to lay the blame on Pierre Gasly there or nope. were you more of the, um, it was a racing incident, let them race into the first lap? I thought that was a racing incident. It was three into one, and Gasly, yes, he did get squeezed, um, but where is he supposed to go in, in that situation? He was also on the racing line, so the fact that Alonso tried to go effectively around the outside, Alonso is putting his car in a position where he is always vulnerable to getting pinched, especially on lap one on a greasy track when they're all on intermediates and the and the, the track is still somewhat wet. Um, I also thought that F1 is they're supposed to be sort of more lenient on laps one through to about maybe three, you know, due to the nature of the cars are being bunched up as, as the race starts. So I was a bit surprised to see a penalty for that. And then I thought I was going to set a precedent for the race and then not seeing one or two other incidents get penalised. Notably, the I almost expected to see a penalty for someone in the Perez-Hamilton incident when Hamilton pushed Perez pretty wide and Perez went across the pit lane. Um, given they penalised Gasly for that, I was expecting to see a penalty for that. So I'm a little bit confused as to why common sense prevailed for that Perez one because there was nowhere he could go when Gazi got a penalty when he was on the racing line and there was no way he could go. So I don't know. I'm, I'm not an F1 steward, evidently. I'm just, I'm just a nerd who watches at home. Um, but it, yeah, it just, it just smacks of inconsistency to me in, in the stewarding decisions. <sighs> yeah. It, it, it just, sorry, I got something in my eye as well. It just, it just, just to me, that just wasn't, just wasn't a penalty. And some of the other things that have been let go, not just in the Turkey race, but this season. Um, and then conversely, some things that have been penalised, but should have been let go. They're not doing themselves any favours, the stewards. And I'm sorry, I, I, Tom, you're asking for the impossible. Well, oh, I know, yeah. From the stewards? Stewards, how dare I? I know. And I, I tell you what I think part of the problem with this is, we don't have the same stewards week in, week out. So a different steward is going to have a different view on something. So if we would have had, you know, I can't remember who was on the stewards for, for the Turkey race, but say, for example, we'd have had a steward who, who you know, more or less, more, you know, always airs on the side of a racing incident. There's a good chance that Dazzy wouldn't have been penalised for that. So there's inconsistency in that in, in, in itself, but that's, that's probably another whole podcast in itself as well. Uh, there, there could definitely be an F1 Chronicle uh, Grid Talk Stewards Room uh, podcast going on for all of the things that we've always had to talk about. But, you know, yeah, without a five-second penalty for Gasly, he potentially could have even been in P4 after... Uh, yeah, he, yeah he, he, I do think he'd have been ahead of Hamilton because um, he was pretty close even without sort of factoring in the, you know, the, the, the five-second penalty. So... Who knows? It's, it's, it's a shame for him because he had a really, really good weekend. He did. Tom, um, the Aston Martin, the next one to talk about, Vettel will absolutely be hoping for a good result after um, what was definitely a bit of a wasted weekend after deciding to go into some slicks in very damp conditions. Um, why, where do you see, do you see him being able to bounce back in that 
also very inconsistent car. Um, I hear he's ordered snow tyres for Austin this year, as uh, he feels that's a good choice to go on to. Yeah, baffling, baffling strategy. <laughs> it really was. Uh, yeah, it, he tends to run pretty well uh, at, at Austin, so I'm hoping he has a, a has a better race. But just the Astons are just so inconsistent at the moment. They, they just, they've had a fifth, a seventh, and a ninth in the last six races. So out of 12 finishes, three points finishes. That's not the form of the people, you know, what's supposed to be sort of the fifth fastest car on the grid. They should be, they, they should be doing a lot better than that. And, um, you know, Lance Stroll is, is being just, just average, just hanging around that 10th, 11th, 12th range for the races. And Vettel is sometimes getting ahead of that, but then just throwing it away and, or just completely disappearing in races. So this, um, I think, I'm really hoping for Aston Martin's sake that they are just they are just shelving development of this car and focusing purely on 2022 because if this is them taking the fight to the 2021 season like they were saying they were going to do, um, then I, I fear for them next season because it's it doesn't seem like it's it's going in anywhere near the right direction at all. Um, the car doesn't seem to be getting better; it seems to be getting worse, if anything, and uh, uh, a big gap ahead. Um, big gap ahead to to Alfatori and uh, and Aston Martin, and who'd have thought that they'd have been you know their next nearest challengers would have been Williams at the start of the season? I certainly wouldn't have picked that. It's uh, say so with six races to go and uh, and only three points finishes in the last six. I can't see it getting much better for them. I would I really want Vettel at least to have a uh, have a, a nice box office result this season. He's had it taken away from him. I know he had the uh, the podium in Baku, but he had the uh, the second place taken away from him. And uh, it'd be good to see him up on the podium again uh, before between now and the end of the season. Uh, but it, yeah, it's it, it's going to be difficult for that car to get anywhere. To be honest, because it just doesn't doesn't look like it's it. it I mean, I mean annoyingly on camera it looks like a mercedes which just confuses me quite a lot but uh it's it's just it's just a, one of those annoying also rounds at the moment that occasionally gets into the points and that's not where aston martin should be and uh i think heads may roll at the end of the season if things don't at least look like they're going to improve well if the rumors are true the mercedes might be driving around with the traditional silver paint again next season so we will see if it looks like an aston martin again next season or if Aston Martin decide to go for silver because, you know, what they're like with the Mercedes team, um, tracing point being one of those things. But Aaron, the Williams Mercedes, sadly, Turkey took away that point scoring like um, run that George Russell had been on with his P15, Latifi and P17. But other than that blip, they have been very strong over the last couple of um, race weekends, obviously with, you know, cars. Sometimes it was more of a case of cars ahead not performing where they should be, but occasionally it was points on merit. Yeah, it was a really good run for them. That was thoroughly unexpected, I would say, because I don't think at the start of the season anyone would have ever said Williams will go through a run where they've scored four points finishes in five races, and one of them would be a podium. So. It was a bit of a bump down to earth for them, but that, that's kind of where they are at the moment. And it's not wasn't like that George got dropped to 15th and was there on his own. He was in contention with the cars around him. I know they're all managing their their intermediates into semi-slicks and, and whatever. But again, like you said, he was there on merit. And I think, but for the spin for Latifi on the opening lap, I think he would have been somewhere around there too. And in fairness, the only two cars that got in front of George were cars that would normally have gone past anyway and would have qualified ahead of him uh, in normal circumstances. So I think this could be a good weekend for Williams and whether you dis whether you uh, classify a good weekend as points or just, you know, again, finishing ahead of Alfa Romeo and Haas and making sure that they don't uh, steal a few points on you for whatever reason. But it could also be tricky because of the elevation changes. You could be prone to gusty winds especially into turn one um we saw george spin at the final corner in turkey and qualifying and they've said all season that the car is susceptible to gusts of wind catching them out because of the peaky downforce so it'll be interesting to see how they handle that i think over one lap again they'll have a good chance of perhaps sneaking george into q3 and perhaps getting nicholas into q2 um, but unfortunately, I don't see them picking up any points because they probably won't have quite enough 
even with the Mercedes power unit, to hold that position higher up the order um, when you've got the likes of Aston Martin and maybe AlphaTauri and an Alpine trying to fight through. Um, but it could be quite fun seeing George and Nicholas perhaps in that fight and see how they deal with it. Yeah, absolutely. Tom, um, sticking with Williams, do you think we could see another Q3 appearance from George to, uh, tomorrow, next uh, the actual uh, qualifying? Or do you think that this is going to be one of those circuits where it does just highlight a lot of the flaws of the Williams and they are out in either Q2 or Q3, Q1? Um, I as, as much as part of me really, really wants to see a Williams in Q3, um, you know, if, if I saw both, I'd probably actually lose my mind, but it's not going to happen. Um, I don't think it's going to happen this weekend. Um, we've had the sort of circuits which have really suited the Williams for Q3. And as good as a driver as Russell is in that car, I think it would be asking almost a bit too much of him to get it into Q3. I, I think Russell will get it into Q2. Because I think Snowder will be back to business as usual and go out in Q1, um, you know, sort of like as per. Um, and Russell, he might get sort of about P13, P12 in, in qualifying. But, yeah, I I think anything else above that would be a real sort of like, not a shot, but it'd, it'd be like exceeding, not expectations, but... Exceeding not, the realms of reality. Yeah, that's that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, I, I wasn't quite sure what to say, um, but yeah, but it's, I, I think around sort of P thirteen, maybe P twelve, uh, in in Q two, um, and let's see if he might go out edge of Q one. He might sneak it into Q two, but realistically, I think he's going to go out start. He's going to go out at the top of Q one. Yeah, absolutely. Tom, the Alfa Romeos, your favourite team that aren't called McLaren. Um, last time out, there was a bit of a team orders furor with um, Giovinazzi ignoring orders to have to let Kimi through. Um, and in the end, it was P11 and P12 for them when it potentially could have been points for at least one of them. But does that tell you that Antonio is leaving the team at the end of the season? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it was an absolutely shocker for for Alfa Romeo last time out. When there's actually a little bit of positivity surrounding the team at the moment, given that they've uh, you know they've got Bottas in for next year, uh, the second seat is up in the air. Um, I would be very surprised if it's Giovinazzi um, with the potential Andretti takeover. Um, maybe Colton Herter coming over. It won't be for next season because he hasn't got the super license points. But uh, I'd be very surprised if they manage to wangle him in. But uh, potential of like Colton Herter joining that team for for um, at least some P1 sessions next year. And it's there's actually a really nice air of positivity around that team at the moment and looking like there might actually be something in the future for them rather than just making up the numbers and being a uh, a test bed for Ferrari but then they have a performance like they had at the weekend and um, I can't wait for Kimi Raikkonen to retire he's he's annoying me more and more every week and uh, his his antics on the radio in the last race um, you, you think about that you think whenever you hear a radio broadcast like that and and you think if Lewis Hamilton said that, what would the reaction be? And equally, if if Kimi Räikkönen, if Hamilton says something on the radio, think to yourself, if Kimi said that, what would you say? And most people would be, oh, that's just Kimi being Kimi. So uh, it's there's the, the radio antics. There was the whole thing with the uh, with the with the team orders, and then the fact that Giovinazzi didn't let his teammate through cost them at least one point, um, and. It's just just bad form all round. Just the whole the whole operation just needs a massive overhaul. So if Andretti does buy into it, he's he I think he realizes he's he's uh, he's got a lot to a lot to work on and needs to needs to make a lot of improvements to that outfit. As hopes for this weekend, they've got a past winner in that team. So who knows? Because uh, Kimmy's clearly as fast as he's always been. Um, I jest. He's not. Uh, so it's yeah. I mean, I I I can't say that they'll do anything particular. I can't, I'm trying to come up with something positive for them for this weekend, but uh, I, I can't see it. The only thing I can think is that there are there are six drivers on this grid that didn't drive here last time we were here, and there's four people that have never raced here in any formula. So, um, And given that both their drivers have got experience at this track, that could put them up the order a little bit. That's the only hope I can really see 
for for them this weekend. Um, again, I haven't seen the weather forecast, so I don't know if that's going to play havoc with anything. I know that the weather can be a bit strange in in Austin sometimes, but uh, odds are it's probably going to be a, it's probably going to be a dry race. Uh, they they seem to be sorting out the bumps. Apparently, I know it was quite bumpy last time we were here, so so that's. Um, that's hopefully give it a bit more of a consistent track surface as well but uh no there's there's not really i mean they're, they're not going to catch williams Hass are very unlikely to score but the odd freak result they could end up finding themselves at the back of the uh, at the back of the pack which would be an absolute disaster for the team but uh it's just kind of like holding pattern get through the last six races try not to embarrass themselves too much and then try again next year that's it really for alpha <laughs> i don't know what you're saying tom kimmy's my uh outside favorite for the win Really? Okay. No. <laughs> Aaron, the last team on the grid, the Haas Ferraris, um, 19th and 20th last time out, although, you know, there was the potential for Schumacher to maybe finish a little bit higher than that before he was, you know, spinning like it was Turkey last year. But, yeah, um, is it going to be 19th and 20th for the slowest car on the grid, or is it going to be... Something surprising. Uh, well, my notes have got four words, and they are "they will be last." It's just the way it is for Haas this year. They will, ju- they'll just be there. I mean, Mick might be able to pull something special out of the bag in qualifying, and they might be spared all of the back row if someone fails in Q one and has a crash or something. But they're going to need to be extremely lucky to get anything because this is a circuit that sector one is going to reward downforce and change of direction sector two is going to reward efficiency and lack of drag sector three is going to reward traction and stability and they have none of them so (laughs) they're kind of up the creek without without a paddle um it's going to be a tough weekend expect to see mazapin spin multiple times um and there may be even the, the 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 shady move across the straight at some point from him as well. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's the race leader or if it's his teammate; he takes no prisoners. So it's it's gonna it's gonna be rough for Haas on home soil, which yeah, that, that's probably not going to be doing the the American fan base any favors at all. There might be a lot of Andretti flags out this weekend. Home soil. I thought that was Russia. Oh, sorry. Yes, adopted home soil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So that is the grid, at least. Um, let's make some predictions for this race weekend. So I'm going to start with Tom Downey. Um, I have to specify because this is the first time we've had Tom Tom. Um, yes. Yeah. So your race winner for this weekend, please. Uh, Verstappen. Verstappen. Yep. Verstappen. Other Tom, your race winner for this weekend, please. Uh, I'm going to be boring and go with Hamilton. He's won five out of the last six races here, so why nope. not make it six? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Aaron? I'm going to join uh, Tom H in going with Hamilton because it's it's just such a happy hunting ground for him. And I think it's going to play uh, not quite a lot but slightly more to the mercedes strengths i think they're going to be just quick enough through the fast corners and down the straights before the final sector is slightly more red bull territory um yeah and i think track position might be quite important in getting that gap through the first sector to hold that track position yeah i think that so long as mercedes don't also give lewis another fresh engine component and a 10 place grid drop it will also be lewis on the top step but if they do, for the sake of hedging my bets because of how early we are actually recording this episode, Bottas is my other potential race winner, I think, just based on form and um, last year as well. Tom Downey, uh, the rest of your um, podium, please. Uh, we'll definitely have Hamilton on the podium, I think. And, you know, like you said, unless he takes another engine penalty of some kind, but I really cannot see Mercedes risking that. If they were going to do it, they'd have just chucked the whole lot in in Turkey, I think. Um, so realistically, Hamilton, if he doesn't get P1. Um, and third, I think Bottas is going to carry some momentum because I do think 
the the two mercs are going to finish ahead of the two rebels as an overall package. So I so I, I do think we'll see a, a um, the Hambot podium. The Hambot, yeah. Tom, other Tom, um, the rest of your podium, please. Uh, I've got the predictable Verstappen in second, uh, and I think with a glorious return to form, Bottas will be nowhere to be seen. Uh, and I think the the last spot on the uh, on the podium will be taken up um, through gritted teeth by Charles Leclerc. Uh, I was expecting a Norris to come up in that sentence. Uh, uh, Aaron, the rest of your podium, please. I'm going to go for Bottas in second. Uh, I think because Bottas has been freed up and he's on a bit of a roll now, there may be some team orders from Mercedes to switch Hamilton and Bottas around. Um, I think, as I said before, the, the Mercedes is going to be slightly better. And Bottas is the man in form at the moment. And then they're going to finish uh, just ahead of uh, Max in P3 with uh, Perez, uh, maybe fifth or sixth, perhaps. I think you've got to remember that Bottas actually has to listen to the team orders in order for them to switch around. But <laughs> it it makes it makes a lot of sense. Um, my the rest of my podium is going to be Max P two, which would make it down to a one point lead in the championship for Lewis and uh, Valtteri P three. I think, even though I said that if Lewis takes the engine penalty, he'll be P one. So, you know. All of it makes no sense logically, but bold predictions. Tom Downey, your bold prediction for this weekend, please. Schumacher into Q2. Well, when you said uh, Sonoda into Q2, it actually happened. So Schumacher into Q2. I know. I know. (laughs) You're uh, trying to get the um, stars to align there. Tom, your (laughs) bold prediction, please. After my massive rant about them, I'm going to say points for Kimmy. Points for Kimmy. I mean, yeah. if it's a bold prediction, you're saying it's probably not going to happen. So. Exactly. Well, it's, it's it's his last. It's obviously the site of his last Grand Prix victory, uh, which will be the last Grand Prix victory in in his career, and I think it'll also be the last the, the place of his last point scoring as well. It'll be very poetic. Aaron, your bold prediction, please. Uh, Gasly, uh, top four in qualifying. Yeah, I could see it. I, I, I think there's some definite possibility, but you know, what what if McLaren and Ferrari get their act together and put their cars ahead of him? Yeah. I'm gonna do a George House and say Russell for points, you know, get that um streak going again. It could happen. That's not bold anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna say I mean, yeah. It kind it's of expected. Is. We've, already, we've just said that this is not gonna be a William circuit. In before he wins it. <laughs> That would only happen if the race actually gets rained off to the same extent that Spa didn't happen. Well, there's a bit of a a, tra- a trend here. Last time I was on a preview show, that the race got rained off. Uh, let's not. Let's not. <laughs> let's not go there. Let's not. <laughs> anyway, with the predictions made for this race weekend, it's now my opportunity. Well, it's now my turn to give you guys an opportunity to promote. So, Tom Downey, you're from the Everything F1 podcast. Please give us an elevator pitch for the Everything F1 podcast. <laughs> yes. So, we are Everything F1. Uh, we have a Facebook page, Twitter page, basically any place where you use a handle is at JoinEF1. We then have a Facebook group, which is ever growing. I think we're on about 7,000 members at the moment, um, which is the Everything F1 paddock. We also have a website which I still need to give a facelift to, which is everythingf1.com. And we have a we have a new YouTube channel where we're doing sort of circuit guides, sort of like looking forward to weekends that are coming up. And then also some of our um, more savvy sort of like media creation team members are creating sort of like virtual circuit guides with uh, using the F1 games, which is quite interesting. And also we have a podcast, which is the Everything F1 podcast, and we have some pretty good guests on as well. Very nice. Everyone go and check out the Everything F1 podcast. And Tom Horrocks, you're from the Monkey Seat podcast, as anyone watching can see. Um, An elevator pitch from you, please. 
Yeah, can't resist a chance for a plug. Got to get it up there. Uh, yeah, so we are at Monkey Seat Pod on the socials. Uh, MonkeySeatPod.com is the website, which probably does need a facelift as well, actually, Tom. So when you're done with that one, if you want to do mine, that'll be great. Uh, and uh, yeah, so we we cover all all motorsport. We do a bit of IndyCar, Formula Two, Formula Three as well. We'll Talk about W Series and Extreme E. Uh, it's myself and Carl. It's a bit more, bit more laid back, a bit more, bit more banter driven. Uh, much less professional than this podcast. So uh, if you fancy coming, just having a laugh and debating uh, who, who is the idiot in the paddock and all that kind of stuff, then uh, come and give us a listen. Yeah, absolutely. And Aaron, Five Lights podcast, um, tell us a bit about that, please. Uh, so you can find the Five Red Lights podcast on YouTube. Uh, I do switching to going live with most of my stuff because it's uh, now easier to do that with my work restraints on time. Um, I'm also on Twitter at five underscore red underscore lights. Unfortunately, I can't. Uh, put that around my head like uh, Tom has managed to do with his so you'll just have to trust me on that one Um, I did have a website but I didn't have the time to put any energy into it so I've had to take that away so uh, it's all just on YouTube search five red lights on there and uh, yeah uh, hope to see people there soon very nice just wait until Tom puts like some form of cat um, hoodie with monkey seat podcast on so that every time it pops up It'll just be like, hey, it's a cat. Hey, it's a, what does it say? Monkey Seat Podcast. Cool. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this is currently my main thing. So, you know, if people want to follow me uh, whilst also following Grid Talk, um, my Twitter handle is at Rubes, R-U-U-B-E-Z. It'd be nice to get a follow and have a nice conversation with anyone that's actually listening to us. So, yeah, that is the show. Grid Talk is available on Amazon as well as YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, Omni Studio, and Pocket Casts. Just search F1 Grid Talk. There's a huge back catalogue of shows with previews and reactions to the qualifying and race results. We are on Reddit. Search for the subreddit F1 Grid Talk. And we also have a Patreon for mics, lights, and better recording equipment. You can get your hands on some official Grid Talk merchandise on the newly working store, which you can find at f1chronicle.com forward slash forward slash store and don't forget about our two competitions as mentioned earlier also make sure you subscribe to the first to know when each new episode is released we'll be back at the weekend to review the results from the united states grand prix thank you very much to everyone for joining me thank you pleasure thank you for having me thank you very much and thank you very much for listening we'll be sticking around on youtube for a little bit but other than that goodbye